Welcome to another episode of Compa Financial Therapy. I am Danny. I'm here with my compadre, Mike. Your compadres with financial stories. Hey, Mike. So how was your week? It's good, Danny. Just yeah. This heat wave is just getting out of control. I was a little cooler this week, I think. This week it was. I remember last Thursday. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Humid as heck. Yeah. Humid. Being musty, stinky. Wow. I do well, it's going to man. Well, I was not talking about you. <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> I was talking about you, not me. But let's talk about what are we going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about different types of life insurances, which oh, one will be right. good. Last time you were asking about life insurance, right? right? right. And, um, well, there's three basic types of life insurance that are most common. you right. got your whole life, your term, and your group. Right. There's a couple of other ones out there, but those are the ones you probably hear the most people talk about. Definitely. The group... That's usually like in your employer. Some employers have life insurance and the cost is very minimum. Right. You know, I recommend it because it's usually, uh, some employers have a like a budget for insurance, for all the different drawdowns. Yeah. And usually life insurance is like $2 a month, $3 a month. It's very minimum. I remember seeing that it was like $3, three yeah. something, like 328 or whatever. For three times your salary or, or one time your right. salary. So it depends on what you get. I usually get the max if, right. if it's offered. Um, so that's the simplest one. And if it's available to you, you with through your employers, take take advantage of it. And I know sometimes the banks offer that too, right? Sometimes I've, there's been a few times where I've gotten some <coughs> inquiries from the bank's credit union saying, hey, we're going to offer you insurance X amount of dollars. Yeah, I, I see those. I'm not too sure what the cost of those right. are, but if you got to run the numbers, if the numbers look good, if it's minimum, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Now, whole life and term, those are the two most common, and there's a big difference between the two. The term insurance, they're really cheap, but they end at the end of a specific term. Right. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, depending on what, what you purchase. What you pick, right? And you're the one that has to pick, if it's a 10 year, 5 years, exactly. 30 look at uh, that's the term. At the end of the term, it's done, it's a couple. Right. Now, there are some companies where they give you a return of premium. Mm. So all the premiums that you paid throughout the number of years, it gets returned to you. That's the one I kind of recommend. That's the one I, I see it's, you get your bank for your buck. If you die, you get the life insurance money. If you don't die at the end of the term, you get your money back. Is that for either or for the whole life? No, that's just for the term. term. That's just the term. term. Gotcha. Now, whole life, that one, it's a lot more expensive, but after so many years, it earned enough interest that it starts paying the premiums for you. Right. And and they have cash value. Is it worth it? I don't know. Usually people with a lot more money, a big... um, a big estate, they usually buy the whole life because they're very expensive. Now... What is the life insurance in the barrio? No life insurance. Yes, there is, man. Which one? Car washes. Car washes. And the fundraisers. Fundraisers. La and comida. La comida. And uh, that's typically the life insurance right. where we came from. Right, right, right. You know, I never really heard of life insurance until, I don't know. Um, now there's organizations uh, that are in the churches that would offer life insurance mm. to the church members. I didn't know that. You don't know that? Mm-mm. I haven't um, seen that around. There's a, an organization named Knights of Columbus, and they're typically in, in right. the the churches, the right? churches, and um, they offer life insurance. That's pretty much what the, what their business is for: is okay. life insurance to their members. And they have both the term and, and uh, whole life and a couple other types of life insurance. Right. The one that I have, I have, and, and just to, to put it out there, I have whole life insurance. Not that I'm rich or have the, a, a big estate, like you said. But it's the one that they sold us on at the time. This was back in shoot, 2005. Why did you get life insurance though? <coughs> what, what made you get life insurance? Okay, so I've carried life insurance since I was about 18, right? When I went to the service, they offered us the service group life insurance or whatever it's called. And when I got out, I was like, dude, I need to carry some kind of, you can carry it over, right? You can pay the premiums, whatever it was, like $20 a month, whatever it was. But I think I took too long to respond to it. It expired, and then I think I was able to go back into it, but I never did it. So I just jumped into my um, the company that I have my car insurance with, and they told us um, you can get this one or this one. I went with the one that was offering a four percent return, which is a whole life. But the reason I got it was to protect my family in case I pass, in case I die. They have money, right? My wife doesn't have to work. My kids don't have to worry about the finances. They don't have to worry about 
a funeral, right? Paying for a funeral, fundraising. Funerals are expensive. Wash. And there's that other life insurance that you see on TV a lot, like funeral expenses at the end of life. Those are a little expensive. If you could save up the money for the funeral, it's probably cheaper. Right. But if you can't, then maybe that's the other, other one right, right, right. way to go about, about it. But, you know, how did you determine the amount to get? So I carried over the amount that I had in the service. And I think the automatic could throw in X amount. So when I got out, I requested the same amount just because that's what I was used to, right? And then along the years, they would send me offers saying, hey, for an extra $5 a month, we'll increase it by five or $10,000. Like, yeah, go for it. And then a couple of years later, again, I'd get another yeah. notification. And they're like, for another $5, we'll bring it up another five or 10,000. So the funny part is, my wife never got those. So she kept hers at a, whatever it is, and then mine's like, whatever is that. So she's obviously gonna get more money than I am. Well, typically, the head of household should be the one that, that gets larger insurance. Right. Um, I mean, because of, especially if you have a mortgage and vehicles and, and, and these big expenses that, that your income is really required to sustain the household, then you should get enough insurance to cover those big ticket items. Right, right, right. Um, and even at the time, we didn't have mortgage. We didn't have a mortgage, so I was like, oh, all right. So yeah, at that point, see, personally, I, I think if you don't have kids, you don't have a mortgage, and maybe if you have a car, right. just get enough to cover the car. You don't want to leave your brother, sister, parents, or wife to what the burden of, of a car loan. Right. Uh, that's when you really need life insurance. Right, right, right. But once you have a family, then yeah, you're right. You should start thinking about if you die, how are they gonna survive? But personally, I don't think you should give a whole mu a lot that Sancho's gonna get, right, right. you know, live more comfortable than you, right? I, I don't know, so I'm, I'm gonna say I don't know on that part. Here's why, and, I, and maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way, and it may suck the way that I'm thinking about it, but if I were to die, I have a good amount of life insurance for my kids, my wife. If I were to die, the way that I'm seeing it, I'm the investment, right? So if I were to die, they're gonna cash out on my, and yeah. they, that, that'll help them get a, a head start, right? Versus just covering the expenses in the mortgage, they're gonna be able to cover the expenses, the mortgage, the funeral. They're gonna be good, they're gonna be well off. And for me, I've already, I, and I think also you gotta talk to your family about their life insurance. I've known some family members that don't even tell their family members that they have Life, life insurance. insurance, yeah. Oh yeah, you definitely have to let yeah. your, well, it's another topic, we should talk about living trust and, right. and wills. I mean, that should be in your estate, right. especially if you own property, especially if you have kids, you should have a, um, some type of living trust or will. Right. Um, but as far as the amount, at minimum, you should have enough. In my opinion, you have a house, pay off the house, right. pay off the car, and hopefully, if you are following our recommendation, have income property and pay off one or two income properties. Right, right, right. At which point, uh, the way I see it, I have enough life insurance that I'll pay off my house, uh, pay off the, the, the apartments. And so if I die, my wife and my family could live off just the income of, right, right. of that. You don't have to worry about the, <clears throat> the stresses of all that stuff. No. No. That's the way I picture it. Now, yeah, I'm not gonna make my wife multi-millionaire just with life insurance, <laughs> I'd rather give her wealth through other means right. rather than life insurance. Life, life insurance should just be a protection in case you don't make that wealth right. in time that, that you, you pass away. Right. And for me, the way that I see it is giving everybody in my family, my family, my immediate family, a head start, right? Since you know, I'm the first one in my family and generations also to start investing in a 401k and the stock market and stuff like that. For them, I want to give them a head start before I die also, but once I die, then I'll have a little more, a better head start. Well, well, I think you should also not only talk about life insurance, but you should also talk about what you expect them to do with it. Right. And I agree. Because I, I've, I've had family members who um, the husband has passed away, then there's the, the, the wife gets a life insurance, and basically after so many years, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've left instructions as far as, this is what I think you should do in, my, in case I pass away, right. pay this out, and you should have enough income to last you the rest of your life. Right. And I agree, and that's why I think one of the other podcasts that I had talked about earlier also, 
I was talking about early intervention, early education, right? Educating your family. That's something that I do with my kids. Les enseño so they can, when they get older and they have money, they know how to manage it. That's good because in, I never had that conversation with my family about money and and in our culture, we don't talk about, right. we said this a couple of times, we don't talk about money, death. De yeah. The only time you talk about death is like, hey, you know, somebody died, let's go make a collecta, right, collect right. money and or do the, let's sell food, we need to pay for the funeral. Right. And funerals are expensive. Yeah. You know, average and funeral right now is about $30,000. And is that pre, like paying for it beforehand, before the person dies or after? Because there's two different prices. I have a cousin that works for, I'm not sure if he still does, but he was selling those, right? The, the plots and the graveyard, whatever. And he said, hey, you want to buy before you die because it's cheaper once you die. It's usually typically more expensive, but right now because of the amount of people who are dying, are dying because of COVID, right. it's expensive. Supply and demand. Huh? Supply and demand. <laughs> and uh, a lot of these funerals, uh, these cemeteries, they're getting filled up. Yeah. So that's going to be a whole different topic. What's going to happen in the future if you haven't got your plot yet? Right. Uh, but yeah, you're looking at least 20 to thirty thousand dollars for a funeral. That's uh, if you're if you're doing like cremation, I think it's running about maybe a thousand to two thousand dollars. A couple thousand dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's on the lower end. Yeah, on the lower end because I know I've looked at some funeral societies. Yeah, yeah and if you're a member of them, I think paying fifty dollars a year, it's cheaper. Yeah, I mean that's that's an option. Or you you don't care, you can put you in a mass grave and a mass. Cremation and right. I think those those run really cheap. <laughs> those are sponsored by the government because they got to do something with you. They really have those. I think so. Oh shit. Yeah, like if you can't, like if you're poor and there's they can't afford. Um, I know the um, Catholic cemeteries. Uh -huh. They'll find a place for you, but it's going to be like a mass grave. Shit. And I think the like the coroner's office. If you don't have any family, they'll cremate you. Right. And it's but it's going to be in a mass. Cremation. I think. I didn't hear about that. I didn't know about yeah. that. I thought you were joking about it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if you die and there's nobody that cares about you or wants you. Right. What, what is the government going to do? They, can, they can't just leave you on the street, so yeah. they got to do something about it. That's true. So there's got to be some type of program for the, for those. That's interesting. Because I have heard people saying, like, oh, they didn't claim the body or whatever. Like, But I never found out, like, what happens after the fact. Yeah. Well, I know in my line of industry, um, there was a developer that was uh, trying to develop a cemetery mm -hmm. and I got to tour a land before it became a cemetery so nice. they were looking for doing a cemetery permit and um, when we went to the, 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 the job site they had four in every corner of the property they had like a, a, a monument mm -hmm. and I, I, they caught my eye and I asked the, the, the project manager hey what are these monuments in every so areas in the, in the right. property, typically in the corners. He goes, oh, when we first buy the property, um, they put these monuments and they bury somebody in each corner. So now, okay. technically, the whole property is a cemetery and they just fill everything in between. What the heck? So once you de declare an area a cemetery, they can't take it for any other purpose. Damn. So that was really interesting. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Some of the stuff you learn from, from working in certain things, things you know? Yeah. Certain areas. That's interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. So, um, life insurance. Now that I'm older, and I do think it's necessary, but for certain families. Right. But what do you do for the Russell who are barely making ends meet? Right. You know, they're they're not planning about, and that's yeah. typically what happens. They don't plan like, well, I got to put a hundred dollars. I could barely need a hundred dollars to feed right, somebody. Right, right, right. So, what are these people supposed to do? And that was typical where I grew up. Right. And I think it still happens Tavia, right? Oh yeah. And people, oh, we'll, we'll do a fundraiser, we'll, we'll go out and collect money in the uh, in the streets. I'm not saying anything that's bad, but is there something they could do where they're not strapped and they don't have to go to those re resources? Because when I, I was thinking about it too, during those times, I don't know how much they're actually, like, how much money they're actually fundraising, right? To be able to, if you're talking about like somebody who has zero dollars and then one buffuera to fundraise, vending comida, I don't think they're going to be able to, to make up those $30,000. I know they also have other means, like the GoFundMe page. Well, they do GoFundMe. Well, now it's GoFundMe, but back then there was no such thing as yeah, GoFundMe. Yeah. But I know families pitch in. You know, Families pitch in. I've also seen um, where if somebody already has a plot, they, I guess they can transfer to somebody else. Kind of like an... an uh, that, I've seen that happen where, where family members 
they die and they have no insurance, right. no nothing. And a family member, you know what? We already got our plot paid for. Right. Just use it. Right, right, right. And I've seen that. But that's not good for the person who planned. Now he has to start he all has over. To start over, right, right. Um, so, what, but what do you recommend? What are we supposed to do if you don't have that extra? That extra cash. I know there's um, and I was mentioning this earlier, but there's a, a around they have um, funeral societies where if you pay fifty dollars a year, they offer you like a discount. And I think they offer the ones that I've seen in our county. I think they have eight different areas if you want to be buried or if you want to be cremated. Right, and they offer it a discount discounted rate. I think it's like twelve hundred, fourteen hundred dollars to be cremated. If you want a plot, they charge. I don't. I think I don't remember the numbers, but you can get the plot, the space, at a very, very discounted rate. But you got to be a member, fifty dollars a year. I I know when my when my grandmother passed away, we learned that she had made all her arrangements. Nice. And uh, this was after the fact that you learned about it. Well, the, when she passed away, we you know. Uh, my aunt had said, "Hey, you know, she already has everything paid for." Go, what do you mean? She goes, "Yeah, she, she after her husband passed away, she took on the initiatives to go get the plot, and she made every single arrangement. We had already purchased um, the plot when when my grandfather passed away. It was a double plot, right. so she knew she was going. So she knew all I need to do is make the caskets, the flowers, and she went and picked everything, the type Jeez. of flowers she wanted." The, you know, she she had everything paid for. She didn't want to leave a burden on anybody. I, I was like, wow. And I was gonna say, you gotta commend her for that, right? Yeah. Like, damn, because she went out there, she did it herself. Escogió aquí, escogió las flores, el, 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 el casque. I, I thought that was like, I mean, yeah, well, like, wow. But at the same time, to have the courage, I mean, just to talk to exactly. my parents about doing a living trust, right. Was like no no we don't want to talk about that and that's the last like we don't want to talk about anything about that to you know think about my grandma taking that that initial step like, it's hard i remember going to my primary care physician and she said hey have you filled it on an advanced healthcare directive i was like what the hell is that and she explained to me she gave me the packet and everything next visit she's like hey did you fill it out i said nope it's like why i said i ain't trying to talk about death you know i ain't trying to fucking think about me dying and that's just hard it's hard it's hard but i think it needs to be done and just tell you what I've been been in the position where I have to make life and death situations right. for multiple family members. I mean, the first time was when my wife, when in my twenties, she had became ill, and I had to make a decision for her. Right. It's not easy. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. I, I think you know mentally, it's like, whoa. I didn't think I knew I had to make that decision one day, right? But not so. You were expecting to see. Yeah. So far, I haven't had to make that decision yet. But you will. Except for a dog, yeah. Except for a dog, we're like, yes, we gotta go. Yeah. It's even then hard. Yeah, that was for a dog. hard. That was hard for a dog. That was hard. I mean, I had to do that with several dogs over yeah. the years. After you know, they get old and See. they can't walk anymore. Like, mm. yeah, this one had bone cancer. And I'm like, oh shit, yeah. we gotta make the decision. It was hard. Yeah, those it are those hard. are difficult times. So imagine a, a human. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A human that you live with for years, right. or, or you know, and, and sometimes the family members that should be making that decision, they're n not in the right mind. And it, it says, yeah. here, you do it, mijo. I've had that happen. You've and had it happen. you know, you, you have to step up to the plate. Right. I don't know why I got voted in to plan funerals <laughs> for, you know, my my elderly, you know, like my grandparents, my grand, both of my grandparents, uh, my uncle. You know, I had to plan their funerals. Like, you know what it is sometimes with, with our people? Los más educados are the ones that have to make that decision. Well, maybe. Maybe that was yeah. the reason behind it. But, yeah, yeah I, I like, okay, just... Right. I mean, I I don't mind. I took the plate and mamanos. Okay, yeah, what, do you, yeah. what kind of service do you want? What do you want? You know, just went ahead and did it. Yeah. But yeah, it's not easy. It's, it's not, not easy. It's I not imagine easy. it's not. And I'm like, and I'm still thinking like sometimes I think like, damn. At some point, I'm gonna have to make that decision for somebody or some yeah. people. Yeah. So in my position, you know, my wife and I have talked about it. We don't want to leave that burden to our right. our siblings, our kids. And so I think that's a very important reason why you should take care of it. Yeah. Proper planning, right? Prevent. Um. Better. Well, well, you know, it's it's hard right. in the first place to just plan for it. Now, right. to get your 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 son and daughter, your dog, to make them plan for you, right. that's not. I'm so it's going to be hard. Yeah. So I like the idea of preparing it beforehand. So you're like, vamos, boom, yeah. it's done. They don't have to worry about anything except just making it, Go. make the arrangements, the dates. I like what my grandma did, and I'm going to try to follow her yeah. her steps. Like everything's taken care of. You don't have to worry about any, anything. Maybe just even what I wear here, put me buried with this, and I think that's the way to go. I told my wife to cremate me. 
I'm like, cremate him. She's like, why? I said, because you guys think nobody's going to visit me. How often do you hear somebody going to the to uh, to the graveyard and be like, oh, I visit him? Rarely. Yeah, Rarely. I spoke to my mom after my grandmother passed away, her mom. And it had been a couple of years. I think over five years. She's like, I've never gone to visit your grandmother's graveyard. Yeah. Maybe some people don't don't feel comfortable going to a yeah. graveyard. Um, I don't know. I thought about cremation, but what if you know? Because you know they don't clean that. That, that, right, right, that, right. that what is it? The, the oven? Right, they right. don't clean it. So you're, you're going to be in a box with ashes with somebody else. Like, that's true. Well, that's take somebody like, with you. Take somebody with you. <laughs> be holding hands, ash hands, right there. Did <laughs> oh, they give you the wrong ashes? How do you know? That's true. It's happened. I know my wife will be able to talk. She's a toxica, so she's like, right. that's not my husband. I can, I can <laughs> sniff him out. That ain't him. That's not him. He doesn't right. smell like ass. That's not him. <laughs> <laughs> he smells too clean. She's going to haunt you until your death, right? Oh, she will. I know she will. For a fact, I know she will. I feel sorry for you, dude. <laughs> that's why I have life insurance, huh? She's not my beneficiary. I gave it to somebody else. To, don't let her know that, though. Oh, because otherwise, she, she's going to be the... She's going to be parting it up. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, hmm. How soon party. can you leave? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But yeah. the other insurance you were talking about was the whole life insurance. Right? Whole life, correct. And that's the one that I have that could collect us at 4% every so often. What varies from uh, company to company, but yeah. So the one that we have, and it changes, too. We had one for 4%, and then we ended up getting one for my daughter. Right, just to cover her funeral expenses in case something happens. Um, That's very morbid, man. Time for your kids for your own. It, it, but it's a reality too. Yeah, but I don't know, man. I, I, that one, I, I'm not too sure if I agree with you on that one. Why not? What, 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 what's your rationale? What's your? Well, you should have money in your account that if something that unfortunate would happen, you should be able to cover your, right, your right. kids' funeral. So having, so I would have to look something up, Ivanos, or even have maybe have like the, everything taken care of already. Yeah. Right? yeah. In the long run, I don't know. I'd have to do the math to see if it's cheaper. Right? Yeah. No, but cheaper but you're, you're right, though, because, I mean, there, there is the situations where kids die. Right. I mean, it's reality. I had a, a good friend where they lost their kid, and, yeah, they had to pay for the, the, the services. Right. But you don't plan for your you don't. kid, no, and you, you don't, don't want that. You don't. You want to be, you want to die before your kids pass away, yeah. you know? and it happens. But when we got, we got the same type of insurance for my daughter's whole life, and they offered her a 2% return. Now we were getting the four. She's getting the two percent return. Why is she getting less? That's what I think they had changed it after a while, a couple of years. And so when we got it, we got it a couple of years back. But instead of having the four percent option now, now they had the two percent option. So they keep bringing it down. But I hear about whole life. Most of the people that I've known who actually purchase whole life, after 10, 20 years, they decide, okay, eh, I don't want to continue cash paying out. it. Some they cash out, but they don't really get enough the money that they put into right. it back out. And then, so. I don't know. Hopefully you stick to it and then till forever. Otherwise, right. yeah. And then I've seen other people too that get like a 10, 20, 30, 40 year group, uh, term. But then what happens after 20 years or 10 years, right? Then you have to mm -hmm. renew. You have to renew. It gets more expensive. But then that's what I was going to say. Then it gets more expensive, expensive, right? Because yeah. somebody was telling me they're like in their 60s. They're paying about $500 for term insurance. And yeah. I don't know if it's per person or per for but, the couple. But the idea is that let's say age 60 or 70, you should be very well off to where your house should be paid off, you shouldn't have any vehicle loans. Should, uh-huh, should. You should not. And so financially, you should already have money set aside for your, for your expenses. Right. When my father passed away, uh, he did not have life insurance, and he had it at one time, but then he sold it. was like, man, nah, it's costing me too much. So he sold it and got cashed out. Jeez. But he decided to um, set the money aside. Right. He goes, when I die, nobody's supposed to be worried about it. I want nobody to go get collectors. He set the money aside. Nice. So it was there. Uh, that was the difference. Did he set it aside like in a bank account? Or did he have like in the, in the walls hidden somewhere? He had it in a bank account. Okay. Yeah, he right. had a bank account, which I'm not sure if that was the wise thing. You should put it like in a mutual fund. And, that, and that's the other topic we're going to talk about, right? The mutual funds, where to put your money. I was looking into that. Well, actually, uh, um, somebody reached out to me this week and uh -huh. says, hey, I finally got a, a full-time job. Nice. My employer offers 401k type right. plan. What should I put my money into? Right. And of course, I said definitely do the matching, like we right. talked about last time. The minimum matching to get the, the, to the get full match from your uh, I said. The, the employer gives a uh, 4% matching. Right. They said, give at least 45 to 5%. Right. I recommend the 5 If you could do it, do the 5 Right. So that was my recommendation. And second is to diversify. Right. 
Now, this person's very young. I think she's probably in her 30s. Okay. So, um, as, as you're young, starting out your career, right. you could take risk. And right, you should take risk. So you should be in a very aggressive plan. That's what I've heard, like 20s, 30s, even maybe teenagers. Teenagers up to 30, 30s? You have a lot of time if, 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 if the money goes south, you have a lot of time to recover. To make up, of course. You yeah. still have, like, let's suppose at 30, bam. And the market takes a, a dive. You still have, what, another 35 years, digamos? To recover, and you'll yeah, recover. For retirement, yeah. you'll recover. So as you get older, though, in your 40s and 50s, it should be a little bit more you conservative. You got to pump the brakes a little bit, huh? Yeah. As you're getting closer to retirement, 50s to 60s, at that point, it should be like pretty much almost like a savings account. Right, right. Because you don't want to take a lot of risk. Maybe a little bit, maybe get half percent, half of the funds into where it's a little bit somewhat to, to get a little bit of income. Right. But you should start thinking of more of a conservative investment. Right. It's not going to give you a lot of rate of return, but at least you know in five years when you retire, your money's going to be there. You're not going to have to wait until another cycle of the market coming back. Right. And that's where I started. I started off, I think, four, four and a half years ago where I started investing in a 401k. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I had this coworker who approached me and she asked me, she's like, hey, Mike, just, I don't know how the conversation got up there, but she's like, hey, Mike, her name is Myra. She said, have, do you invest in a 401k? Do you How much money do you invest? I said, I don't invest in shit. She said, why? I said, because I don't know anything about it. Like, and I thought the same thing as other people think, like, it's fake. They take your money, it's going to crash, you lose all your money, right? I was uneducated. You're gambling. See, see, gambling. I mean, that's what the lesson says, you're gambling. Yeah. yeah. I'll put it in the horses, man. <laughs> Santa Anita, huh? Santa Anita. Yeah. And um, the way she approached me, she told me, she's like, look, Mike, if all you can do is $20, do $20 a paycheck. Okay. But reality, when it's coming in your paycheck, let's say you put $100 into, into it, right? right? Or $150 a month. But it's pre-taxed. Right. So reality, your check, because you think, oh, my check's going to be $100 right, right. $100 less. less. Reality, no, it'd probably be like 5 to $20 less because you're getting it from the girls before they take the, the government takes its share from uh, right. the, the deductions. So that's what I've been telling some people, some of the coworkers that I work, people that I work with, I tell them like, hey, it's, it reduces your tax liability. So instead of this amount, now they're taxing you on this amount because yeah. this amount's going to your 401k. Exactly. Luckily, I was able to talk to somebody yesterday kind of just gave him a little bit of education about the 401k and, and government sponsored 401ks she went from i think from a four and a half and she bumped it up to seven and she's like thank you for telling me but it's something that we're going to get into a little bit more with her and just kind of give her my experience and she's like what do you have it at i said i have it at such and such she's like holy shit and i explained to her why one tax liability and then at the end you're gonna have more money you're just putting aside for your retirement but you got to be careful on how much you put in though. right because as it, as it is that they they match, but the IRS side, right. there's a cap that right. you could invest a year for your 401k. And sometimes what happens, you put the max what the IRS has, right. then the matching might not get be put in there. Right. So you gotta be careful on that, because I know uh, some agencies where uh, I had a friend who, who was putting the max, boom, 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 right. he says, hey, how come I'm not getting the matching anymore? Well, there's no room to, for the matching. So instead of saying, we're going to put your 4% right. on top of yours, on top of yours, well, you continue putting yours and we're not going to fund it. They don't tell you that. Right. But I think the other part too is, I think that changes every year, right? Kind of changes every couple of years, mm. the maximum you can contribute. I don't know how the federal government does it, but it's, it's, it's a federal government thing. Right. So you could always check uh, an IRS website, what's the max you can contribute per year, and then the way I do it, I, I, I get that amount and then deduct at least 5% to get, make sure I get the matching. Get, okay. So I remember these last two years, 2020 and 2021, I think the max you can contribute to a 401k is 19,500 19, on a year, right? Per year. I'm not sure what this year. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to look at it in a while. I think it kept it the same for the two years. Before that, they had a $19,000. The max you can contribute to your 401k, 457 below percent, right? The Roth IRAs, the IRAs, the Roth IRAs, the max you can contribute is $6,000. Yep. Thank you. So here's the funny part. You can have a thousand Roth IRAs, IRAs, the max you can have in all those thousand, six, 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 six thousand total. Mm -hmm. 
Like, come on, man. Yeah. So I kind of feel like they really do limit certain people, some people, from becoming rich. Well, but that shouldn't be your, your mechanism becoming true. rich. True, true, I mean, true, true. Uh, you know, we, we could go on the whole subject as how do you make true wealth? That's right. w- one is that's supposed to be your security blanket for when you retire, you ha- it will supplement your income. Right. That's what that's really designed for. And the whole concept be, f- be doing it pre tax is that when you get old, you're going to make peanuts, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah so of course. The government's going to give you a social security check. Peanuts it's going to be, peanuts. yeah. So for you to go homeless, that's why they encourage you to do four hundred one k or for whatever the plan is. Right. Um, that's why it's set up that way. But if you want to make wealth, there's other ways. You, you buy stock market. Right. Um, you buy stock market. You buy um, real estate. Right. You know, those or a business, some type of business. And shoes, right? Some people, uh, I hear a lot of people say that they're investing in shoes like Jordans. You can't tell Well, actually, you know. And then they wear them. They're actually, uh, it's a good investment. It is if you're selling them. But I've known people that they're like, oh, I'm investing in my shoes. And then they put them on and los están usando. You know, I guess some people do buy them así used at a lower cost. But for me, that's not too much of an investment. I mean, there's, I mean, cause there's, there's baseball cards, right. there's uh, stamps. I was, was going to say food stamps, but no. <laughs> that, 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 that's I, not a form of investment. That's, that's what you buy at the hood. I've right? heard people, yeah. Trade, you trade yeah. the food stamps for something else, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah. For five bucks, I'll buy you whatever you want. Look at that, whatever. And yeah, that's how they get their money, right? Yeah, of course. Hey, you got to do what you got to do in, in the hood, right? Exactly. But, uh, so yeah, so those are the types of, I mean, you really want to make wealth. It shouldn't be your 401k. Some people do, though. Right. I've, I've known people that, that have done that. But I think to make true wealth, yeah, you should invest in real estate. You should invest in the stock market. Uh, buy, you know, I don't know about cars though, like luxury cars. Right. I don't know about that. You know, because some of them do are collectors. Right. You know, they do get, but like a regular Toyota now or yeah, yeah. Mazda. Nothing or, mainstream or yeah, something out of the. But you're talking about millions of dollars of cars. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And so the other part that I do that I wanted to discuss is some when your friend was asking where exactly should they invest, we can't technically tell people exactly where to invest. The reason being is, and this is my wife was asking me a while back too. She's like, why doesn't Dave Ramsey tell you exactly where to invest? Like which ticker numbers or which tickers and this and all. Like for one, it's a liability thing, right? If I tell somebody exactly like invest in this right now and it takes a shit, they're going to come back and sue me or they can fucking yeah. come back and... You told me, cabron, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's happened. I've told people sometimes like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I've been told. It's up to you. Do your research. I'm doing my research. I haven't looked it up. No. Y lo que sea, right? No, it's true. It's true. You shouldn't tell people right. what to invest. Now, if they ask you, what are you investing in? How are you investing in? That's a whole different story. Right, right. And that's what I tell them. I said, I don't know, I can't tell you, but let me tell you where I invest and how I do it. Let me tell you my strategy so you can kind of understand. I don't just want to give you the responses. And so what is your strategy? I'm going to have to charge for that. You're talking about food stamps, right? No. The, no. So my strategy. And your four, four, like when you set up your 401k, what was your strategy? Did you decide, you know, do small caps, large caps, international? Right. What did you do? Did you try to pick a big thing or did you just get one of those pre-built from the bank right. that they have and says, okay, I want to go this way, this is aggressive, or I want to go this way, moderate. What did you, what was your strategy? So one thing I did was first, I did invest in, in the company matching, I think I did 5% to start, and then the company was matching 4%, right? And then I consulted, not consulted, I spoke to you, and you kind of like, because I didn't know anything about it, and then I transferred from that job over to this new job, and I asked, hey Danny, explain to me a little bit more, and I'll tell you why I came to you specifically. Somebody in my family, my father-in-law, Said, habla con Danny. El Danny si sabe de, de investing. Ese si sabe. You want to know about investing, making money, making wealth? Yeah, habla with Danny. Mm, I don't know. That, that I had that reputation amongst the family. You know? <laughs> he said it. You know, you know my father lied. Yeah. So when he said that, I'm like, all right, cool. So I came to talk to him. I'm like, hey, I didn't know how to do this whole thing, right? And you kind of explained to me a little bit how the, the 401k works. Diversify, and it's something I have always heard. Diversify, diversify, like portfolios. I'm like, what the hell is what that? What does that mean? Right. What does that mean? Diversify. I'm like, I don't know. I just heard it in grad school, lo que sea. But taking your information, your knowledge that you shared with me about invest, the way you showed me where you invest. You look at my you opened up your books for me. Like, this is where I invest. 
you took a screenshot, which I was very mm -hmm. thankful and grateful that you did that. Because a lot of people, I wasn't expecting you to do that for me. Yeah. We talk about raza, we talk about people, eso no se habla. And I wasn't expecting you to open it and show me like, this is right. I, was like, I didn't show you the amount I had. No, that you didn't. No. But th I always felt that there was always a way you could teach somebody right. without disclosing your full pocketbook, you know, and I think that's what we're going to be doing here throughout our videos. That we'll right. show you how we've done it, right? but we won't exactly show you what right. our net worth is or wealth is. Right. right. And if you do, I charge $50 if you want to know, if you want to see, take a screenshot of $50. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the other reason why you can't tell people exactly where to invest in is each company, each like, um, like Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Robinhood, Vanguard, and other companies, they have different ones, right? They have different places you can invest in, and what Charles Schwab may have, Fidelity may not have. Mm -hmm. So this, I found this out this week. I mean, I was looking at this stock, this company. They're a, a penny stock right now, right? We try to buy Charles Schwab, and Charles Schwab doesn't have it, but Fidelity does have it. So it's hard. We can't say specifically for that reason too. And because you might not have accounts now, you right. might have to set up multiple accounts. And uh, yeah, I agree. Right. But uh, diversification, I think it's it's key. Right. And I learned about this industry. You know, at one point, I did go to a financial advisor and get mm. their advice. What I learned from them was a lot of common sense that right. I already knew, and we were on the right path. You know, when I was telling them what I was doing, this is well, really, you, what do you need us for? Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's they had uh, that conversation. I he goes, you you're doing the right thing. By right. the time you get to, you know, 60 or 70, you're gonna be right. well off. You don't need our advice. And, but I still use them to help uh, buy certain type of mutual funds that I was looking for right. and, and, and so forth. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I learned about the, the, the diversification and stock market and so forth. Because back then, internet was still. Yeah, we had dial up. You hear ringing yeah. going out right in the background. <laughs> so that's how I opened up. And I feel that I paid for that service. Right. Take advantage. Take advantage and spread it, spread it around. So when you came to me, like, sure, I'll tell, I'll tell right. you how I did it. And that's how I got my little uh, diversification. I asked them, hey, my employer has this. What should I do? You know, what do you recommend? I saw what they were doing. I go, yeah, that sounds good. Right, right. And it looked pretty well diversified. It was somewhat aggressive, and it's worked out pretty good. I think I probably would have gotten a little bit more aggressive now thinking about it. Right. Uh, but I think it's overall it's done quite well. And so once you told me that you were talking about the ages, mm -hmm. 30s, be aggressive, and that's how I have mine right now. Most of them, I have like eight different, eight or nine different ones, right? Mutual funds that I'm investing in. Two of them are kind of like very conservative, so I'm gonna have to split those up and maybe distribute some of those funds into more aggressive ones. I might keep one, I might keep a little bit of money in those just to kind of pump the brakes, hold it off really good. Right now, the way that I have it invested, based on speaking to you, based on uh, making myself more knowledgeable about the, the mutual funds, the stock market, how it works, how it's all tied together, I think I have a 31% return from January to now. 31% return on my, that's on my really investment. Right? There, there's no bank that's going to give you that type of rate of return. So I was looking at that, and I'm really comparing, like, some people. somebody was talking to me about CDs today. CDs and savings account, checking account, and I looked at it. CD gives you, what, 3%? If that. If that. That's, a, that's like a really high CD. If that. I think average way, what, 2%? If that, too. Really? The right one now? that I saw was like 0.45%. Oh, really? They're really low now. 0.001. And those... With the CDs, you have to have your money in there for a specific period. For a specific amount of time. Some of them are ten years. I saw one today that was ten years. I was like, man. What about on. the government bonds? You know how you buy those uh, bonds, and then you know you can't cash them until X number of years. So they mature, right? Those don't even give you that much either. <sighs> yeah, I, I think if you invest, at the very least, in the Fortune 500 companies, which right. are the 500 largest companies in the United States, right. you have a good chance of getting at least a 10 percent rate of return which is pretty good. Uh, and I have some of those. I have a, a mid-cap. Mm -hmm. And I had to look up what the hell mid-cap meant, right? Mid-cap, mid large companies. cap. Say it again? Mid-sized companies, right? So there's small cap, mid-cap, and large cap, right? And what are they? So they're, I think what cap stands for, if I'm not mistaken, capitalization, mm -hmm. how much money they're making, right? So your large cap makes up to, I think, there are companies that make about $10 billion. Yeah. $10 billion with the B. That's right. their annual revenue, or what? What is that? How much money they're bringing in? Okay, which is their capital, all their capital, ten billion dollars with the B. 
Then you have your small cap, which is I think from 300 million to about $2 billion. And then the mid cap is what covers in between the large cap and the mid cap, right? So I had one of my strategies was, and I told you this with the OCD, I get obsessed with stuff. So I have to learn everything about it. And it's good. Which is good. Because yeah. now you're able to pass this information on and they don't have to do all the research. Right. You did the research for everybody and, and for me too, because I probably learned something from you too. <laughs> so I break it down, right? I break it down when I tell people like, hey, this is, this is what mid cap, large cap, small cap, and this is, so I obsessed, right? And I went through the, through the website that the company offers and um, I'm reading every single thing like mid cap, large cap. Mid cap. What is, what is a mutual fund to begin with, right? Well, mutual fund is basically, it's it's a stock. Right. Or it's it's one stock that compiles different types of stocks right. into one large stock. Right, taking a bunch of other people's money, your money, my money, anybody's money that wants to invest in it. So well, they pull well, the funds. Well, that's how you, they, they, the well, no, the mutual fund is, is, is there's like, if you want to do like a tech mutual fund, so that mutual fund is going to buy nothing but tech companies. Right, right, right. And so the, the one that's company that's making the mutual fund says, okay, we're going to buy Apple, Google, Facebook, uh, Facebook all the tech companies, and we're going to charge X amount for this fund, and you buy into it, that's what you're going to be right. buying. That's what a mutual fund is. Right. So everybody wants to buy that type of mutual fund, they're going to go get it, and it's a tech mutual fund. Right. Now, there's different mutual funds that have from... You know, pharmaceuticals all the way to D different sectors that they invest the money in. Yeah. So that that's what I had to figure out too. Like, and I they have these like these pamphlets, right, where it says like this type of uh, mutual fund. We different sectors. They have the healthcare, communications, electronics, uh, even food companies like mm -hmm. Little Caesars, Domino's. I was like, what the hell is all this? Yeah. So I looked into what each one was: large cap, mid cap, small cap where they invested, what type of person should be investing in this, how, how much aggression is it, right? How much risk is it? And I did all that all that work. And then what I did is they also had the one, the company that I use, they had they have the flyers on there, right? And it tells you how, what percentage each one is at, each mutual fund. Is it a retirement targeted fund? Is it a large cap, mid cap, small cap, um, non-US equity, uh, and some other ones, I forgot the other ones. But I went in there and I started seeing and comparing each one, okay, Year to date, what percentage is each one? And then I find the one that has the highest, right? Okay. In the one year, what are they doing now? So instead of year to date, now it's one year. How are they doing? Okay. And then I look for the one that has the highest percentage. Because the highest percentage is the one that's making more money, more Over return. A year. And then I look at the three-year mark. How are they doing three years? And then five years. And then they have a section that's called inception. And then I look at that one, kind of the hardest. Because that one should be telling you how they're doing, performing. From the day one. From day one, right when they started it, or investing in it, up until now. So is that the, the way you picked your mutual funds? That's the way that your, I picked mutual funds, your, yeah. That's a pretty good strategy. I didn't think about that one, but yeah, that's a pretty good strategy. And that, that company, the one that I use, they update that um, document every three months. So this one just came out June 30th. So how often do you, we, sh we should be looking at your, your 401k, your readjust, because you have to readjust it every so often. You know, uh, so how how often? One of the rules that I use is when I get a raise, a cost of living raise or a promotion, right, right. I definitely look at it then because typically I'll try to put the whole raise if I can, right, or the cost of living increase into that. It, you know, increase my right, my, right. my contribution. But if I'm already amassed, maxed out, then can't do that. Right, but right. I still that's a good time to to relook at the, what how your diversification is. Definitely. So how, what do you recommend? What I recommend is different than what I do. So what I do, I'm talking about like being obsessed. I check it every so often. I think I check every week, sometimes daily to see how's it performing. But you're, not, you're changing it every week? No, I'm not changing it. I'm just checking to see how it's performing. That can drive you nuts, no? Psychologically, it can mess you up. It makes me feel good. It gives me a sense of security. But have you been to a phase where, because it will happen, mm -hmm. you start seeing that sucker go down. I've seen it go down. And, and I'm glad panicking. you brought it up. You start panicking. I did not panic. See, that's the thing. Because if, it, if you get people to start looking at it, and you see, okay, I'm losing 10, I'm losing 20, I'm losing 30,000, right, 40,000. Right, right. And then, oh, I got to sell this before I lose it. See, when it comes to, to the 401k or mutual funds, you're going for the long run. You're right. going for retirement time. So you shouldn't, if you see that sucker go down, you got to just write it out. And that's where we talk about... The, aggre the how aggressive right. and how much time you have to to make up. So if it goes down to almost zero, 
which is not going to happen. Right, right. But if it goes down to almost zero, you have 30 years to make up for right. it. So that's why you shouldn't look at it that Good. frequently. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things. So when I'm checking my stuff, I do see it go down. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm happy when it goes down. Why? Because well, you want to buy more or what? Because that, what happens is the stock market's on clearance when it starts crashing, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's going for cheap now. So now I'm able to afford more stocks. But that's a stock versus your 401k. Right. See, th those are two different things. I don't think right. you should confuse them. You know, your stock market, yeah, you should monitor those a little differently than your 401k. Your right. 401k, that's for retirement. Right. And that's when you're supposed to look at, I say at least quarterly, maybe every six months. I would say quarterly. And, and, and take a look how it's doing and maybe make some adjustments. Right. Um, I usually look at it probably twice a year, maybe twice once a year. a year, depending on my mood. Right. Um, I kind of set it, kind of leave it alone, because I'm waiting for that when I retire. Right. So, and, and it's been doing good over the years, so I'm not worried about it. So now, for the me, stock market, we do, I do look at that a little, lot closer and make adjustments based on right. what, the, what the stock market is doing. And we're talking about stock market, you're talking about like index stocks, right? We're for example, you buy an individual, let's say Ford, Tesla, GM or whatever right. the stock you purchase, then those are the ones you look at a little bit more right. closely. So even for me, I would recommend checking the 401k on a quarterly basis. Why? Here's why. The company that's managing your money, at least the one that I use, they're putting out a, a flyer documentation or PDF file saying like, hey, this is how they're performing. So based on that, that's how I make my changes, my adjustments. But then... Do you think by making too many changes throughout the year, that could hurt you though? It could hurt you. But I've also seen it where it's helped me. Where you take it back. Well, because you're working in the aggressive side. Right. So I see your point because if you're an aggressive side, yeah, you want to be continue being aggressive right. and make that movement. Right. So I understand and I probably agree with you on that then. Because if you're... If Thank you're you. Not many people agree with me, but all right. <laughs> but if, you're, if your goal is to maximize your rate of return and you have the age to be aggressive right. then yeah you're going to look at it a lot probably quarterly there's going to come in a point. my situation where i'm getting closer to retirement i don't want to make too much changes too right. much i want to keep it to where okay it's been doing good you know if i look at it i'm going to probably look at it to lower the right. the, the, the risk right? the risk that's where where it starts changing between you and i right. and that's what i was going to say and you brought that up at some point i'm going to have to like hey pump the brakes okay. on and go more conservative. But by that time, you should have a lot of money in there. I hope so. Yeah, no, you, you will, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, you uh, in, if you're putting just the minimum into your 401k, in 20 years, probably we're worth probably about a million bucks. Right, right. Yeah. Got like 16 more years to go. Yeah. And so speaking of that too, when you're talking about the stock market, I remember, when was it, last year? I think it was last year. The market was taking, I think it was last year, February through about April, May of last year, it was taking a good shit, the stock market, right? I know somebody who had about $100,000 in their 401k. A family member told them, hey, take your money out. Take your money out. It's gonna, you know, like, I didn't say anything, I'm not involved, but I'm like, please don't take out your fucking money. Please don't take out your money. Leave it. There's gonna be a correction and you're gonna see it shoot up again. I didn't ever told that person anything. I'm not in that position to tell them anything. They left their money there. I was so happy that they left their fucking money there. I was like, dude, it went off. It fucking shot up again. Yeah. It corrected itself, I think, uh, May of last year or June of last year, I was saying. Or it might have been the year before, but whatever. It took a shit and then it came back up and it bounced up good. Had she moved it? No. Never know. Could have been, might have been worse. Yeah. Could have no. been worse. It, it varies. Right. For me, the my preferred method of investing is real estate. Right. If I have a choice between stock market and real, you know, I do do both, but I focus more on real estate. That's been more profitable for me. See. And um, it's tangible. It does go down, but you know, as long as you're holding the property, it's not gonna, right, right, right. you know, you're not gonna see it compared to the stock market. You see the money go down and you say like, oh, I just lost right. know, a lot of money. <laughs> and some people get scared when you're talking about people panicking when the stock market is it's it's not very comfortable. I get excited. I'm like, yes. Well, we're going for a ride, homie. If I'm in the in the in the position where I want to buy stock, yeah, of, of course. course, I want it to crash. Of course, because that's when you make 
It's on clearance. Who doesn't like stuff on clearance? Same thing. When people are for losing foreclosures, hey, <laughs> you know, it's time to buy real oh, estate. Shit, you know, right. it's the same thing. You buy low, you sell high. Right. But the problem is most people, when they see the fluctuation, they panic, they panic. And, they, and they invest and they buy and sell stock and real estate on their feelings, right. not really when what it's supposed to be. I remember when I was younger, I was watching the news. I used to be into the news when I was a kid. Fox 11 News is always my thing. You're weird, dude. I know. I, I don't know what the hell. Since I was a kid. Were you trying to see your homies and say, hey, my homies in jail today? Well, you remember in the 90s, <laughs> they had all the, the party crews. And you would see some of the party crew specials. And I'm like, oh, shit. There's my homie over there. There's my homie right there, rabbit. Yes, they talked about, I remember, I remember this. I, I maintain this in my head. They were saying that unstable investors are some of the best investors. What do you mean unstable investors? Like mentally unstable ones, the ones that are kind of like frantic about the way the stock market's doing because they start making a lot of movements. But this was back in, I'm talking about like early 90s. So it might See, be you can't, you can't, I don't think you should be investing with your feelings. Right. You should be making decisions based on like what you're doing, knowledgeable stuff. Right. Because if you start buying on emotions, you're going to, you're yeah. most likely going to lose every time. You're going to crash all your market. Yeah. yeah. You're going to, you're going to sell when you're not supposed to sell yeah. and you're going to buy when you're not supposed to buy. Oh, I kind of like this company. It's exciting. I heard them on the news. Yeah. Nothing but hype. And then forget mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't follow hypes. You got to follow and stick to your, to your guts. Right. Right. Go, go with your gut feeling. I agree. So, so I'd recommend for me quarters, every quarter, maybe every three or four months checking it. You luego checking to see which is performing very well. And if it's not performing that well, maybe you want to even just to check it out. Give it a little risk, throw a little bit of money in there. A ver como might be in the future. But it depends it on their age. Right, right. Their, their age group. If you're in the young age group, I agree. Do it. Check it regularly and and be aggressive. Right. But as you get older, start pumping stop the brakes. Stop pumping the brakes little by little. And then you'll be well. You'll do very well. I, I'm pretty sure that by the time you get to my age, see. and you'll be... You'll be there a while off. Well, I got like five more years. I'm going to catch up to you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny. Any other thoughts you were talking about? No, I think, I think we, we covered the life insurance. We covered the where to invest our money. Right. Next week, we'll see where we, where we go. Cool. Sounds good. If you want to hear more stories like this, please click the like button and subscribe. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.